Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there, thanks so much for tuning in to another interview episode on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. If you enjoy this conversation, if you find it valuable, inspiring, if it lights you up, the absolute best way that you can always support to keep these podcasts coming in is just by sharing it. I'm really grateful that you're here, that you're part of the movement. And again, this is about all of us coming together to create a happier, healthier world. So thank you so much in advance. Also, make sure to stay till the end as I'm going to offer you some applicable takeaways and a challenge for this week ahead. And so if right now you're finding yourself in a state where you feel like you are barely getting by or you feel endlessly challenged by the current state of the world, this podcast is for you. This week, I'm sitting down with my incredible friend, Oren Harris, and we're going to deep dive into this topic, specifically moving out of survival and the survival mentality into a place of thriving. Oren's primary mission as a transformational coach and speaker is to create heaven on earth, a place where people wake up to their truest selves and live a limitless life of contribution and fulfillment. He is also one of the leading experts on flow, the highly sought after state of consciousness known for its inherent ease, power, grace, and performance. On a daily basis, Oren helps high-performance leaders, entrepreneurs, and creatives awaken to their infinite potential and has a profound impact on the planet through creating and allowing them to have the fullest expression of their gifts. I'm so thankful for Oren and his profound wisdom that he'll be sharing with you today about becoming an awakened leader and how we can begin to go inward to dismantle our own biases and the counterintuitive approach to living a life of inclusivity health, and happiness. If you are here, I trust that you are willing and able to do this difficult yet powerful work and you are open to these new mindset shifts. I trust that you are here for a reason. I trust that this conversation is going to uplift you and bring this new sense of inspiration during this challenging time in history. And so let's dive in now. Thank you, Orin, for being here. Welcome to the show. I am so deeply, deeply grateful to have you with us today to share your wisdom, your knowledge, your inspiration, your creativity, all the beautiful things that you bring to this planet. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Glad to be here. I am really excited that our paths met. We met through a friend, Yannick Silver, who we both deeply love. And then I think a week later after that introduction with my husband, we were then at a party together and then, Mm -hmm. you know, our paths just keep circling. And then we found out that you live close to us and we've been doing dinners and all the things. And so I just feel like this conversation was really meant to happen. It's synchronistic. And what I am been so inspired by in the conversation around what's happening collectively on a conscious level and with the planet is that 
you've really been a stance for moving out of these survival states, out of these fear-based states, out of the unconscious way of living into thriving and into this space where we all have that ability to access this inner thriving within us that mm. makes our outer world and our external world a right. reflection of that internal world. And right before this conversation, you said something, you were like, I want to create change from the inside out. And I'm like, yes, that is what this podcast is about. This podcast is about creating our internal world to reflect the external world in which we want to live. And so I would love to start there and just kind of bring people into your coaching process, how you got into this work, and most importantly, how you're supporting people now in the state of the world. And, and I have so many questions to ask you, but let's start there because <laughs> I think it's important for people to really hear about how to move out of these fear-based states because so many of us are in that right now. Mm. Yeah. So how I got into this work was really by the process of courageously meeting life and asking really deep questions like, who am I? Why am I here? What am I put here for? What is it that only I uniquely can do and bring to this world? And then living into the answer to that question. And so being a coach and a speaker were both things that were revealed to me as part of my soul's essence and part of the essence of my gifts. And then once I discovered a way that I could express that very directly, then I just chose it. But it was kind of like it chose me and I just recognized, I was like, oh, this is a calling. And so then I gave myself wholeheartedly to that calling. So that's how I got into, you know, speaking and coaching and mentoring and the types of people that I work with. Again, that just was something that I observed that like leaders, high performers, world changers, people were very ambitious and progressive and like the stewards of the planet, people who want to do good happened to be the people that wind up in my audience, the people that I would keep running into, the people that I was serving. And so then that's how that niche kind of formed. And, you know, throughout my evolution, my own journey and path has been a kind of intersection of both like spiritual self-realization, which is kind of like spiritual awakening, awakening to who am I beyond my history, beyond the story of me, beyond my personality, beyond all of that. What is it? What is that? Who is that? Who am I beyond all of that? That's more of a kind of spiritual awakening, you know, awakening beyond the veil, beyond the illusion, even beyond the illusions of, or maybe illusion is not the best word, even beyond how I've defined myself. And then that path intersecting with self-actualization, living my highest potential, giving as profoundly as possible, living the dream life, that whole world, those worlds kind of united for me. I realized there was no separation and one complemented the other. And so it's allowed me to be also a bridge and to work with my clients and people very holistically rather than one or two dimensionally, you know, because we're like mind, body, heart, and spirit or soul. And so my approach to performance, my approach to basically manifesting, accomplishing, or creating anything is that holistic approach and operating as a fully integrated human being. Right. right. And so my approach, even with things going on in the world right now, with all the civil unrest and we're in a global pandemic and just there's a lot of fear and a lot of tension and a lot of unknowns. So my approach to helping people feel more empowered and be able to affect change and to come up with solutions and to create essentially is that same approach, you know, from the inside out. If we leave out part of the equation, 
then there is an imbalance or an instability. So if we only address things on a physical level, then we're kind of, we're not necessarily getting to the root, which is the root now often is invisible until it becomes visible. What's the root cause? Mm -hmm. So if we're only rearranging or managing the effects, the manifestations, then we're on a very slow moving evolution and a very unsustainable evolution individually and collectively, whether we're looking at the whole and the world or ourselves and right. approaching ourselves in our own within our own selves. You know, it's like and so things like sickness or disease or I'll use the example of a corporation, you know, becoming unstable and falling down seemingly overnight. It's like then you're trying to pick up the pieces, right? And like put things back together, but taking pause to see that it didn't happen overnight. That's a matter of awareness. It's a matter of where you've placed your values. It's a matter of what's been going on underneath mm. the surface and not just looking at what's on the surface. So if a corporation falls down overnight, you know, within a matter of days, let's say, or you seem to suddenly get a life threatening disease, that is just looking at the manifestation, but there was something out of harmony, out of sync, out of integrity, of an instability that could have been festering for years potentially. And so then to use the example of rebuilding the corporation or building the body, it's like, yes, let's take care of the physical because that's, and at the same time, let's look deeper inside and like, what is it that caused this in the first place? <laughs> so we're not rebuilding on a you know unstable foundation again right or we're not band-aiding we're not band-aiding the problem and saying okay i just want to avoid this and suppress it further and with sickness what's so profound is most often sickness is a manifestation of stored emotion trauma pain wounding patterns fear rejection some sort of emotional experience that we've held on to and we haven't actually released from the physical body. Right. And then those, the things we've held on to become like unconscious ways of being. And un so then we have, we're in like a habitual way of thinking, seeing, feeling, mm -hmm. acting, and being that then we call our self. Right. Right. And it's like, it's the pattern of that self then that is producing the sickness and reproducing it until we change the self from the inside out. And then when we're attaching our identity to those pieces, as you shared, and the truth of what's making our health or the corporation or aspects of our lives crumble, when you call that invisible and then it becomes visible, what does that process look like? Because I think people probably are listening and thinking, okay, that sounds incredible, but that feels terrifying or it feels fearful. It's like when you journal or you meditate and you actually have to confront the parts of ourselves that we don't want to confront. Yeah. And so what does that process look like with your clients where you're awakening to, you're helping them awaken to the parts of themselves that have been suppressed, avoided, mm -hmm. or they're potentially even unconscious of, right? I think a lot of times there are unconscious patterns that we're not even aware of. And then when we're aware, of course, we should do better. But I think that also scares people because then like, wow, I actually have to step up and I have to take responsibility of my life and I can no longer be the victim and I, I actually have to move into a space of radical responsibility. Yeah, I think that it's a matter of, it's twofold. It's a matter of how to, but one of the things that precedes or one of the things that helps you be able to, you know, move into like, okay, what do I do is having the motivation. And so there's like awareness and you could say education, just understanding. And then 
motivation is what gets people to move and we're motivated either by enough pain or enough pleasure, right? And so when we're forced to look at something, even though that's uncomfortable and it's unfortunate, it's still actually effective. And so if we were like, well, I'd rather not be forced into this than just listen to the whispers sooner. And so what I'm saying is that through the pain and the pleasure, even if we look at the state of the world right now and we're like, okay, things are crazy. It's like a hot mess, right? So now it's gotten a lot of people's attention. And so what would it look like if we didn't need to get like really shaken up before we pay attention? So basically the perceived pain of looking at ourselves and being with ourselves, we're doing that collectively. So like, let's just say we're proactively deciding to do that. And we're like, well, how do you do that? What I'm saying, even before getting into how to do that, I'm just really framing up this dynamic that seems to be pretty prevalent in the mass consciousness whereby, okay, we're like, okay, to be with myself, to be in these feelings, to face the darkness, to be vulnerable. Oh my God, it's painful. It can be painful. It's uncomfortable. But at some point we realize that, and I put this out there for the listeners, what's more uncomfortable? That proactively going in and looking at yourself and being with yourself and being with uncomfortable feelings and being with things that were in your unconscious mind and going through that process or not paying attention to it and then some catastrophe happening. I guess what I'm saying in my opinion is ultimately at some point we realize the scales tilt and it actually becomes way more uncomfortable to not do it. And often that becomes the point at which we have the motivation then to actually do the things, the things right? right? Yep. That we were being invited to do in the first place. You know, and so with COVID for example, you know, being confined into our our houses and being quarantined, that is an example of being forced to be with whatever was in us anyway Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. to confront with whatever was going on in us anyway. And so I think a big part of it is just having seeing the value in doing so. Right. So then the willingness to move through the uncomfortability, you have more motivation to do so because you've assigned a positive value to doing so. And you have the negative consequence of not doing it also fueling you. And if you add the two of those together, then perhaps you have enough motivation. Then things like meditation, you know, being with yourself, learning truly how to be with your feelings. We don't get a, a handbook we when don't. we come in on like, <laughs> what, these, what is this emotion thing? You know what I mean? And so this is a generalization, but most people probably habitually manage emotional states to try to survive and keep on with their objectives and exactly. do the things they want to do. But management is a survival technique. Now, it's better than feeling a hot mess and like you can't do anything. Mm -hmm. Managing your emotional state, whether it's anger or frustration or overwhelm, learning techniques of how to manage that is better than the alternative. But what's even better than that is really where I'm going with this because we need to get out of management and out of survival into thriving and start to look at transformation and not continuing to manage or avoid or suppress or repress or control. These are all like survival skills. They're like habitual type of survival skills, managing, avoiding, repressing, suppressing, trying to control. And the main thing I'm talking about is our emotions, because that at the end of the day, that when we say our life is difficult or we're suffering, we're always talking about our emotional state. Mm. I mean, if we really boil it down, like the experience of our life, whether it's insanely pleasurable or it's we're deep into suffering or it's difficult what are we we're always talking about 
how we feel. And so, you know, unfortunately, feelings and emotions is one of the things that collectively we're the, probably very undereducated in. Right. If we, don't, we don't know what to, which is why we resort to survival types of, of ways of being with our feeling. Right. Right. And I think our parents thought they were doing the best for us by suppressing our emotions. Like, get up, don't cry. Right. You can't be sad. You know, other kids have it worse. Like all these statements we learned growing up of you're not allowed to be expressive of any emotional state that isn't happy or successful or abundant or, you know, do good in school. And from that, we learn that feeling is bad and feeling is something that we should suppress. And similar to what you're talking about when I'm working with my clients, it's very much the preventative sort of mindset. It's like, what can I do? What are the little habits? What are the things I can implement today to create this preventative sort of experience? And then from prevention, move into thriving and feeling really empowered in our bodies and cultivating that self-love, that self-esteem, that self-worth, that we already have inherent in us, but so often we're, again, pushing, pushing, pushing. Yeah. And when we push or resist our feelings or try to control or manage our feelings, and we're not feeling empowered in our relationship to our feelings, then inevitably we become less equipped to deal with fear because when we're resisting our feelings to any degree, then it also throws us too much into our head and our mind, right? And so then if we're relying on our mind and our intellect primarily for our sense of power, certainty, capability and confidence, all you have to do is throw us in an intense enough situation that we can't figure out. And then that's where the not, now we're anxious, we're overwhelmed. But then if we try to solve the anxiousness and overwhelm, again, from the mind, which is that you see what I'm saying? And, yes. and so we're witnessing the evidence of that. And if I were to just zoom out even more, it's kind of shows these, this evolution from, you know, like the industrial age to like the information age, which is very much knowledge and mind dominated, which Mm -hmm. is great. It's helped us really advance as a species and technology and distribution of information has been great. And at the same time, we've kind of over relied on that, on knowledge and knowing. And so, you know, not being as in touch with our feeling, not being as in touch with intuition, not being as trusting in our internal space, then as a species now, you throw enough chaos and enough stuff we can't figure out and enough unknowns mm-hmm. and throw the speed of change is faster than ever before, then we're naturally going to react in right. some state of anxiety or overwhelm because it's the I, meaning the I, you know, the, the knower. Mm-hmm. We've so developed that, that we're underdeveloped in intuition, you know, in, in feeling, in the intelligence that comes from feeling. That makes perfect sense. And especially happening Right now, from an intellect perspective and learning about the different parts of the mind, when we go into the intellect, we actually go into the media, we go into the experts, we go into the resources, and we try to discern between all of these different pieces. And given what's happening in the world right now, it feels impossible. It's like there's so many different experts, so much too many options, too many different contradicting points of view from day to day. And there's proof in science that now shows when we have too many contradictions, we become paralyzed. Exactly. And we don't actually move forward and we stay stuck. And that's not what we need right now. We need to actually be moving in the direction from a heart space, from our intuition, from the place of knowing. And so I'm curious because I've done a lot of work with like mantra meditation and getting back into 
the space between our thoughts and the place of knowing. I'm curious for you what that looks like to get to a place of true intuition, because some people would say, well, my intuition feels very fear-based or my intuition feels- well, it's not intuition then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they're like, oh, but I feel like I should be moving in this direction. And I'm like, but that's because you just read that article. So, right. so how do we move people back into the heart-centered approach of connecting to their truth of the all-knowing of what's for them, even if people in their life, their community, their resources aren't potentially in the alignment of what that is. Because I think that feels very fearful for people right now because I'm hearing a lot of, this just doesn't sit well with me. This doesn't feel right. Right. But they're paralyzed in this state of, and I get it because I've been there. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm just curious for you what, what that looks like moving yeah, out of that. Right. You know, when I think about intuition, I feel like connection to spirit, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's why something like meditation, where you're withdrawing your attention and vestedness in the incessant stream of thought, just momentarily long enough to just like create some space, that allows you to connect deeper to intuition and to hear, you know, the subtle voice of your intuition, the voice of spirit, and just really gives you, it creates space. So that's with spirit. I feel like with heart is the other huge piece of this. And that's where developing a more empowered relationship with feeling. And one way to describe empowerment is moving into a state of acceptance and friendliness with feeling where we're not treating our feelings, we're not disassociating, treating it like, oh, you know, I'm overwhelmed right now. And so, hey, overwhelmed, you're like annoying, you're distracting, you're keeping me from getting what I want. So you're an enemy to me. If any emotional state is an enemy to us, then we're in a state of resistance, which only creates more of the same. And so what's the opposite of resistance would be acceptance. Now, acceptance doesn't, is inherently a positive state, but it is a state of love. You're releasing the resistance is what's important in the form of judgment or fear. You know, fear might be, or lack. Lack might be, wow, I need to get out of this state of overwhelm because if I don't, I'm going to run out of time. I'm not going to, I'm going to lose money. I'm going to, when we're in that state of lack, then we're resisting. And ironically, it actually elongates the emotional process. And so conversely, if we can, even just for minutes at a time, learn to be with our emotions the same way we would hopefully most people would be with their child if their child had the same emotion overwhelmed afraid angry irritated how would you be not what would you say but how would you be what would your be your attitude towards your child for most people they can access what i'm trying to say here right. which is you know you might help your child feel better but you would simultaneously be like you're safe you're okay you're perfectly fine exactly as you are, feeling exactly as you are. That's really where transformation begins. Then the idea of helping your child go from frustration to inspiration, then your ideas, whatever your efforts will be better received because you're not pushing against through resistance saying, which is basically consciously or unconsciously saying, you shouldn't feel, be feeling this way. So fear, I said, that's an example of lack. Oh, we don't have time. I don't have time for this fear would be, oh, you know, I'm going to lose myself. I'm going to lose something. I'm going to, this is going to be too much. I can't handle it. That's fear. And then judgment would be, oh, you're weak. You know, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Children don't do that until they learn, to you know, that, right? babies don't do that when they're, they're not like crying and go, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. You know, the other three-year-olds are not, they're not crying. I'm, it, there's no internal story being created. Right. So we need to relearn how to be with our emotions and befriend them. And that 
releases the resistance to them, which lets them move through faster and then lets us alchemize them in a sense of like going from frustration and moving upscale into inspiration. But if we try to jump from frustration, deny our emotions and try to jump to inspiration through our mind that's already resisting the fact that we're in frustration, then we're stuck. Right. And we're trying to jump vibration when we're in a different energetic right. state. It's really interesting. My acupuncturist, when I was having quite a bit of anxiety um, and anxiety attacks when I was first moved to LA, he was like, okay, well, what if you just accepted and surrendered that this anxiety was never going to go away? Like, what would you have to do? You'd have to hold space for it. You'd have to love right. it. You'd have to embrace it. Like, if you just stop trying to find the solution right. by going to all these <laughs> coaches and programs and coming to me and trying to get acupuncture. Oh, yeah, it's counterintuitive. Yeah, the, the part He's like, what if you just accept that you're always going to have this? And it was a really interesting mindset shift for me of, okay, well, if I'm going to have this experience on a weekly basis, sometimes more than that, what would I need to do to manage it and be with it and truly accept and surrender to this is who I am? And through that, it actually started to shift. Right, because it released the resistance. Mm -hmm. It's really moving you into love, the frequency of love. Or you could say acceptance. Or you could say non-resistance, or you could say friendliness. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. You're being at one with it. And that's the irony is that anything that we, you know, stop resisting, it's like then that's when we have the actual capacity to just make another choice because our energy is not being used to resist the thing. So now the energy that was being used in resistance comes back into us. And then that's the empowerment as a creator to be able to choose, oh, I'd like to move towards this. I'd like to feel this. And I also wanted to say that when we're talking about our relationship to emotions and being with ourselves and being with emotions, I feel like with all of the racial stuff happening right now, part of what's important is that we then come to know each other on an emotional level and not just reading. Like reading is helpful, you know, reading, understanding. People are watching documentaries, want to understand, you know, the history of racism and all these different things with positive intention. So there's some momentum that can happen there. But if we get to know each other and understand each other more, but we don't get to understand each other more on a heart level, then there's still a missing piece. But the simplicity of being able to be with another and not just what they're saying and understand their experience, but why are they saying what they're saying? Why are they angry? That type of intelligence comes from connecting in the heart, of being able to empathize, being able to feel, to actually feel, because then we know each other better, not just mind to mind. Right, Because when you have the mind part, the intellectual, the understanding, but you lack the heart part, then there's not much action that can be taken or not much powerful action that can be taken. It's more mechanical. Yeah. It's out of like, this is what everyone's telling me I need right. to do. Instead of actually have a deep level of compassion for the pain that this person is right. experiencing. And in the moment we drop into the heart and we have a compassion, when we truly understand someone, not intellectually, but on a heart level, it's really hard to understand someone and not relate to them. Right. That's what is at the root of all this is separation. So when we're looking through the mind or through fear and just through intellect, then we see more separation. Mm -hmm. But then when we look through the heart, we'll say, wait a minute, my pain, your pain, my inspiration, your inspiration, different flavors, different intensities, different words, but wow, it's the same thing. You're like me. Right. Independent of race, independent of your situation or circumstance, you're like me. And it's that to me is the moment where healing and true communion 
and connection is happening. And I'm not dismissing the intellectual knowledge part of it. It's just that we've relied so much on that. And especially when we go into fear, most people tend to rely even more on that. And it's like we're playing life like a chess game. If I say this, then this. I would say this way. Oh, what do I say? When do I say it? How do I say it? Those are great questions. But if you answer them from the mind that's in fear in the first place, right. then you're only more in the maze. But the heart, if you drop into the heart, it might be more uncomfortable initially, if, especially if you're resisting it. If mm. not, if you drop into the heart, if you let yourself feel and you just be there with yourself or with another long enough, it happens very quickly, then the heart knows what to say, how to say it, when to say it, who to say it to. And that intelligence that comes through feeling, that comes through the heart, is what's healing, what will, will heal us, what will really transform our world individually and collectively. And so going back to, to tie this all back together, that's why the type of education that we need is not just about what's happening, but we need more emotional intelligence. You know, we need more practical ways to, you know, manage and transform our emotional state and to be compassionate and bring the energy of compassion into our emotions. Therefore, we can extend that outward to other people who are in emotions. Because that, like I said, at the end of the day, it's emotional. That's the, where all the suffering is. That's the biggest actual challenge. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's physical things happening, but they're happening out of being taken over by emotional states. Right, right. So if we, the, the knowledge is also emotional intelligence and heart intelligence and prioritizing that. So going back to like, you know, developing into habits and ways of being that we start to prioritize these things, not just as a function of we have to now, right? but like, okay, how do we get ahead of this now? We didn't pay attention to the matters of the heart, to these feelings before. We've seen the consequences of it now. So let's deal with that. But then, you know. Yeah. And I think there's a level of responsibility from the standpoint of just when you get into the heart space, tell me if this this resonates and I'm hearing you on this. When you get into the heart space, when you notice the trigger, when you notice something coming up from someone, but you're seeing them in their divinity, like in their love, in their higher states of consciousness, we also manage our own triggers around a circumstance differently. For and sure. We're not as like reactive. We're not as coming with defense energy. We're not as like suppressing someone else's views. And when we're like in that state of, and that's what I've noticed, I feel so grateful for our community and for the conversations I've had with you because I feel very much met in the heart. Like I feel like I'm here to be a witness to what's showing up for you and holding you accountable to do better, of course, but also not being triggered and allowing us to be in this witness of each other. Yeah, very well said. Yeah, the witnessing itself is healing. The witnessing itself promotes more connection, more communion, more communication. And from that, then the doing, whatever we're going to do, becomes much more effective and actually easier to do because we have all of us, we have the rest of our power fueling what we're doing, you know? And that's what I mean when I say it's inside out, outside in too, but inside out. You know, we were talking about this during dinner where you had mentioned like, my fear, or I guess it wasn't really fear, but it was like, my worry is that the movement's going to die or that it's slowing down. And I, you know, as we both have said, we've noticed that as well. And I just want to make sure people 
are given the right tools and the right education and the right steps to say, okay, I want to be an ally. I want to step in and support. I want to help. Maybe I don't know how. And again, I know that this work starts on us individually taking Mm -hmm. responsibility and doing the inner work and being able to be more emotionally resourceful and managing our emotions in a way that is for the highest good of humanity. But what's your kind of take on this slowing down and how do we prevent that from the standpoint of just making sure that we're not going back into, like we are talking about earlier, the lull of like, okay, I'm just going to go back into my old ways of being because we're seeing the consequence of that. And Mm. I think that there's an energy of like, I have so much to deal with anyway. I'm so stressed. I'm in the survival state. How do I have time to do anything else? Even though these movements that we're in are just so important that we continue and all take responsibility for. Yeah, I think on a practical level, maybe just kind of like you, if you want to develop the habit of working out, you know, you might join a gym, get a trainer, tell 10 other people about it. Right. So now you're creating a kind of structure for that habit, you know, for the goal, you know, optimal fitness, let's say. So I'm just thinking out loud here as you're asking me. Yeah. This is where I feel like involving yourself in certain things Mm -hmm. that have a structure is one way to keep it in your awareness, you know, contributing, creating opportunities. This is one thing that came up recently. I, I posted this these videos side by side, it was this kid like an Africa in a village somewhere on a unicycle and he was balancing. Did you see it? I saw this. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, he's balancing like on his, balancing the unicycle with one foot and with his other foot, he had like four bowls balanced on his foot and he flipped the bowls up in the air and caught them on his head. And then the other video was a white, and it wasn't really about white and black per se, but in the context, the other video was this white guy who was in touring with like Cirque du Soleil around the country and just the, both epic performers. And I was like, well, what's the difference between these two? And I'm not saying it's the difference, but one difference maker is opportunity. So to your question, creating opportunity and, and really looking holistically if you're wanting to support, you know, from the inside out and the outside in, looking at and approaching this holistically, if you want to support like black voices, black lives and black lives mattering to just look at it and then maybe a more full spectrum. It's like there's the physical spectrum, which is like, okay, resources, you know, safety, that's physical, right? Resources and then like knowledge, education, and then creating, it's just supporting in these ways. And so like in the example of the kid, it'd be like giving this kid an opportunity. If it's, you know, put them on your stage or something like that. Or yeah. like I did a share the mic thing with, with someone who had a really big following. You know, I feel blessed. I have all kinds of opportunities coming to me. And also as a black leader and entrepreneur, I also welcome support. I would love to be on bigger stages and have my message and my medicine for anybody who's resonating with it out there more. I'm here with you on your podcast. Mm-hmm. This is an example of that. So I guess I'm just emphasizing the simplicity of something even like you inviting me on your podcast or giving a kid like this an opportunity to shine is something that I feel like really can help the cause and the black community at large. I think that also what's important in that is the energy and the intentionality going into it in terms of us evolving. And if I were to look at it on the side of the oppressed and the helper of the oppressed, what's important is that the energy is coming from love and abundance and from unity. Even though we're trying to create unity, we can still create from unity. 
just like we're trying to create more thriving, we can create from thriving. And so what that looks like, like I was talking to Yannick about, you know, investing in black entrepreneurship and communities. And what I said to him was, I just use him and I in that moment as an example, right? I said, well, what's powerful about this? Like if he was going to like support me in like the next level, like invest in my business, for example, so I can impact more people. I said, what's important and what really makes this transformative and not just helpful, like a function would be like, oh, I could utilize investment funds for the next. Okay, that's already positive benefit. I said, but I don't feel entitled. That's an energy. And I said, I'm not interested in receiving help from somebody who's giving, but from a place of guilt. And so I feel like that is more of an invisible component, but it's essential for us to evolve and transform that the, if you're, you know, amplifying a black voice or contributing in some way, or that where we're coming from is the end, the end, if the end is unity, if we keep fast forwarding, it's like justice, equality, eventually we're like, if we're arriving at unity, unity is something that can be achieved now internally, we can come from a place of unity from a place of abundance. And so to me, you know, that conversation with Yannick and I said, if we spread this out and like try to empower black communities, what I am bringing to the table is just that energetic alignment, because that's the consciousness in which we're creating from, right? You know, and so sympathy or feeling bad or feeling guilty or feeling like or on the other side of that, feeling like you were owed something, that's a mentality that needs to be transformed. Even though on a basic physical level, it could be like, oh, if you're putting funds into our community, like, thank you. But for that to have its maximum impact, also then if I was empowering, let's say a black community that was r- receiving resources, then I you know, would help be a conduit for the resources, that's the physical level, but then also the mindset and the heart healing to happen mm-hmm. such that the resources now have maximum impact and they're not just a oh let me give you a hit of oxygen here right it's like okay how do we also create a sustainable oxygen system and that's where we have to shift out of a victim mentality or out of the mentality that we're owed something there's a subtlety there but it's profoundly important Hey there, friend. Are you loving this podcast? I want to continue to support you. So the simplest way to do this is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and pop into the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you never, ever miss any details of our new projects, products, upcoming events, or issues that are near or dear to my heart. You're also going to get access to the movement. This is the inner circle of people just like you standing in their power to bring more truth and a new level of consciousness where all individuals get to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So pop on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. On my side, from a wanting to support, I'm just curious if there is any residue of that guilt left over or someone saying, well, I feel like I need to do things, these things because there's this pressure or this push from social media or I've been hearing that voice and yeah. like, I need to be doing it. How would you support someone in moving out of the guilt into the just 
I'm doing this out of love because that's where I feel now. Like I feel yeah. like this is about when I deeply connect to this movement, I'm like, this is a choice out of love. And I'm sure there's unconscious biases, which I still am working on. I'm sure there's ways in which I operate that I still need to shift. But like when I deeply connect to this movement, for me, it feels very much out of love. But I'm hearing from a lot of people that they're still in the the fear of being shamed, right. guilted. So that ironically, when one is in guilt or shame or being careful, like walking around on eggshells, if you're in it, then it may seem there's an innocence to it. It's well intended, but it's also might keep you from seeing how ironically it's still selfish right because you're trying to be selfless that's why you're thinking about what's the best thing right but ironically it's actually selfish because now you're fixated on your own protecting your own ego right guilt right Yeah. yeah and so to me responsible the responsible thing to do would be to Bring acceptance and love and light into your own guilt as part of your process. I'm not saying don't do anything before you've healed all your guilt. Right, right. I'm saying to do them simultaneously, you know. And so one of the most impactful conversations I had with this gentleman, you know, he said that he was trying to be helpful in the conversation and move, you know, towards solutions. And he got some pushback from some of his black friends. And one of them got angry. He's like, we're not trying to have a conversation or you're like, we're not trying to hear that. And it it was kind of heartbreaking for him. So it sent him into where a lot of people were, especially initially, which was this kind of carefulness. What do I say? When do I say? Is this the right thing to say? And what I helped him with, when you're in that state, then the idea of what to say, when to say it, how to say it is a very innocent and very well-meaning. It's just not very effective. Right. It's only as effective as you feel empowered. And if you're feeling like you're walking around on eggshells, what I'm saying is prioritize tending to that. And so the most impactful thing that came out of our conversation, he said, you know, I got some insights. I appreciate your wisdom and, you know, communication mastery and these tools and understanding. And he said, but the most impactful thing that happened in our conversation, he said, being in your space specifically as a black man who doesn't feel like a victim, who I could feel no judgment in you. He said, I, the shame was liberated from my body and now I'm expressing and sharing my gifts and my energy the way that I really want to. So whatever that is, you know, I'm not saying everybody come have a conversation with me. <laughs> yeah, but, you're like, oh, you're like, welcome. You know, like, I'm not like, like going suddenly like, uh, hundreds of calls. But if you understand what's happening there, then mm-hmm. you can intentionally cultivate the same thing. Even though I've been victimized, I don't feel like a victim. And my space is one of unconditional love and acceptance and compassion. And so I can see through whatever he would bring to me intimately, vulnerably, transparently in a conversation. My space can hold that. And so if you want to kind of reverse engineer that, then what I'm saying is then to learn to cultivate that same space with your own guilt, with your own shame, rather than managing it or repressing it, or being so captivated by it that you're only looking at, what do I do? What do I say? But not realizing that you're in a state of contraction. Because at the end of the day, as well-meaning as it is, you have very little power to affect a change anyway. So you might as well tend to it. Right. And love yourself, you know, and be present with your shame instead of being shameful of your shame that you may have, or any unconscious racism or anything that may be coming up in you. One of the best things that you can do even for black people is that. I'm not saying that alone. And many people may not be conscious 
enough to say, hey, the best thing you can do for me, Sarah, is to really love yourself more. Like, like that's not the pervading conversation, you know, in terms of supporting Black lives, but it's a big part of the conversation and it can be prioritized and you can learn and you can devote energy to that because that changes the energy field Mm -hmm. and that changes the heart space. Then whatever you're saying, it's not all words are not created equal. All actions are not created equal. The more heart, the more of you, the more love, the more that's infusing your words, your actions, the more effective and the more powerful they are. So I'm just saying to prioritize that. And and if one is like, well, I don't know how to deal with shame. Well, now you know you could devote yourself to learning that even, right. you know, or right. listen to this podcast a few 100%. times. Or, But it's putting the priority and the devotion and the commitment where it's most needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's putting the priority on your discomfort, on the uncomfortable feelings in which you're experiencing. And that, for me, was an eye-opening experience. I mean, even as your friend had shared, you allowing space and holding space with so much love and grace has has been so transformative to my journey and my ability to look at the parts of myself that even just notice the thought, like a quick feeling that comes up or something that is uncomfortable. And I'm like, oh, let's get curious about that. Like, what is that? Where is that coming from? What part of my memory and growing up in my history has brought about that thought or that discomfort? And and it's not like going into this complete paralyzation, but it's like getting curious and saying, if I transform this this feeling of uncomfortability in my body that sets me up to feel more empowered to be a voice or to take action or to do the things later on in life that are needed. So this is sustainable. This isn't just like I'm doing this today for an actionable step, but I'm actually doing the work that's needed for my children, for future generations, for, you know, bringing the right people into politics and voting for the people that are going to stand for the very things that maybe I didn't look at before, or maybe I wasn't conscious of. Totally. And the transformation of that with another, and I'm just putting this in the race conversation, is that you can be intentional and progressive with that in ways that are quote unquote safe, or, you know, open your heart, speak to people, find the people also. I mean, I'm not saying avoid the discomfort, but I'm saying also you could do what like what my friend did, on some level, you probably knew that I was a safe space. And so that to me is an intelligent move to have an intimate, vulnerable conversation with somebody feels like, you know, he could have that conversation with. That was an action that he chose to make in his uncomfortability. And so those types of actions are things that we can be proactive on as well, as well as our own being with ourselves and learning. We can bring that forth and not isolate ourselves. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's so important. And even to think about, well, what makes me uncomfortable having this conversation with my team or my employees or with my company? Or why does this feel triggering when I read this article about this specific topic? And then bringing in the people and the leaders that have paved this path for many years before us and, you know, hiring you and hiring different people to come in and say, this is safe and I want to create change and I want to empower you to take the steps that will actually create a different world. Yeah. You know, it just sparked to mind, you know, and this is kind of shifting into the entrepreneurial space even more. I had a session with a guy a week ago and he, I forget his, I think he's a CEO. I forget his exact position, his company. Anyway, he was saying that his teams felt like they were under siege. You know, they're very forward facing in the public eye and the nature of what they do. I don't want to mention the company, but is very much engaging with the public. And so 
they're getting a lot of backlash and they feel like they're under attack and under siege. And he, as a leader of these teams, is also feeling the same way. So he was in this state of overwhelm, right? And like just feeling overwhelmed and not as a leader, not knowing what to do to empower his teams. And so it's like, well, let's let's empower you more right now and empower it then you'll be able to empower your teams more. Right. And it was interesting what came up. And this kind of speaks to what I mean when I say mind dominated or, you know, even our identities, because he's like a high performer archetype. But the thing that wound up being the breakthrough for him was that one of the things that was creating the overwhelm in him was the resistance to not knowing. He was thinking it was what was happening. And to be fair, maybe that was some of it. Right. But he thought that was all of it, not knowing just being under siege and not, but what he, the emotion he was resisting the whole time until he realized it. And he probably had been doing that for weeks, one emotional state, one point in time when it's just like saying, you know what? I don't know what to do. It was his identity, part of his identity, his ego identity in that moment that died, but he was in presence with me. And he's just, I said, just be with that for a moment. And so then as he started to feel that, then he already started transforming. And then we got to look at the thought patterns of like, what meaning are you giving to not knowing? Where's this coming from? It's coming from his childhood and being rewarded for knowing what to do and being punished or not being rewarded for not knowing what to do. So he created an identity. It's one thing to be a high performer and to be progressive and to kick ass and to do all these things. But at some point when you're in this duality, then it becomes a limitation And so here he is, you know, on an automatic program of I should know what to do. So I feel weak. I feel incapable. I feel he wasn't feeling those things, though, Mm -hmm. because he's too busy trying to figure everything out. Yeah. Constantly. Even when he couldn't figure everything out, he still wasn't actually feeling the I'm a failure. He wasn't feeling the because who wants to feel that? But ironically, that's the very thing that was keeping him trapped. And so within minutes, right, it took courage, you know, it was with my guidance, but within minutes, it would have been, it had been weeks and within minutes of actually dropping into the feeling with intention in a space of love, in a space of friendliness, it's like, okay, that's the feeling, the thought. And then the feeling is like, I'm not capable. I'm whatever. I'm dumb. But that has a feeling associated with it. And unbeknownst to him, he was unconsciously avoiding feeling that, which then that's what was creating the extra overwhelm and the being stifled and feeling immobilized. Right. He thought it was just like, there's just too much going on. Right. So within minutes of just feeling that, then he could start to see his innocence then he could start to see his truth and he released the resistance to that one feeling. And then from a practical level of effectiveness, suddenly he's like, oh, I could do this with my team. He was more equipped in just a short amount of time. In minutes. But, but he was avoiding that for weeks, but he didn't know he was. And that goes back to my point is that if we are relying so much just on the physical and on intellect and on identity, the I, mm-hmm. what do I do for rely, over relying on I or the limited I, then all you got to do is throw us in a big enough problem and then we're going to feel overwhelmed. But are we feeling overwhelmed because of what's happening or are we feeling overwhelmed because of where we're viewing what's happening? If we're only viewing it from like I, if like if whether we're consciously or unconsciously believing that it's just I, meaning what I know and it's up to me, then of course I'm going to feel fearful and overwhelmed if you put me in a, But if I know that I actually could mean Sarah as well, it could mean 
my community. It could mean us. It could mean we. It could mean God. It could mean the infinite intelligence. It could mean my intuition. Mm-hmm. Then how do, if that's what I means is all of those things, then am I going to be as afraid or overwhelmed in that moment? Probably not. So you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a transformative way of looking at states. And I'm all for if you're overwhelmed or anxiety or having a panic attack, I'm all for doing something temporarily in the moment or something that helps you in the moment, like breathing or meditating. And this, I feel like, is also really important because we also don't want to just keep managing a consistent identity. And that's what was happening with my client is he'd create an identity around the one who knows what to do. And so, and which had the, and I'm definitely not the person who doesn't know what to do. So he's going to automatically be confined into a limited Mm -hmm. level of his potential because he's almost like thinking, I have to figure this out. I I have, I literally, otherwise I'm a a failure. And so, you know, after those minutes, one of the things that he started saying, he's like, I guess I could ask the people who have more influence in the company for sort of resources or support in ways I feel like my team Mm -hmm. could need. And I was like, well, why don't you do that? And the only reason he wouldn't do it is because I'm like, oh, that would mean I failed. Yeah. Then, then he started seeing the craziness of it. Yeah. It's so interesting. <laughs> and I think sometimes these beliefs that we take on, they are identities. And I've seen this to be very true around health. It's like they serve us in certain ways. They help right. us become successful or create right. these companies and they help us you know, thrive in certain areas of our life. But then they limit us in such other areas because they hold this crutch. They literally have us handcuffed to right. a story that then when, like you said, a different aspect of our life show up, It's like we can't adapt because we're so fearful of letting go of who we are. For so many years of my life, I was only identifying myself as Sarah is the model, Sarah who looks a certain way, Sarah who makes money because she has blonde hair and brown eyes and like is five foot 10 and has a certain body size. And to let go of that identity was like death. It was like having to release the part of myself that knew that that was my survival mechanism and stepping into I'm more than my body. I am, you know, a soul. I have emotion. I have mental capacity. I'm intelligent. Like all the things beyond that. But even even with that and like being so logical that I'm more than my body, it was so hard to release that. And yet when we hold on to it and we don't look at like coming back to the beginning of this conversation, the holistic approach of all aspects of ourselves, then other areas of our life radically suffer and we go into that suffering state because we're no longer willing to say, wow, I'm just willing to let go of the story of who I am and what I've deemed myself to be, which gives me, quote unquote, the self-confidence, the self-love, the self-esteem, which is actually illusion in itself. Exactly. And then that transforms your level of being. It's like, and this is one of the main things I do with like high-performing entrepreneurs. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, on a level of vision and and intellect and action, if you scale up your business, for example, and your impact, and you don't scale up your consciousness, mm-hmm. your heart, then you're going to be, you're going to have problems Yep, because you're, you're, you're just multiplying the problem. So if you're at this level of ability to deal with overwhelm based on your identity, mm-hmm. right? And then you 10X your business, you're 10Xing your overwhelm. You see what I'm saying? Yep. And so yep. that's what's essential. And that's one of the main things that I do in helping entrepreneurs and visionaries have a greater impact and kind of scale up their impact and their influence and all these different things is to do so holistically, not just on a level of action or on vision or new words, new actions, new vision. Yes, yes, yes. But are you the same person? Mm -hmm. Because if you are, what got you here won't get you there. And in fact, it will, if you try to go to another level, 
then you're going to create a strain. You're going to create a tension between, you know, the old you and the new you, and you don't want to be managing that. Right. And what's interesting is that if you don't shift your vibration as your abundance and your success grow, I've seen multiple friends burn their businesses down right? because they're like, well, I no longer can be who I want to be and this isn't in alignment anymore. And so as they kind of shift into this new way of being <laughs> and the business isn't in correlation, it's like all of a sudden it's just complete sabotage. And then they wonder why every area of their life is rocky, whether instead of just, okay, Let's look at our life now. Let's look at who we are. Let's look at what makes us happy, what's happening internally. And then let's start pulling back the layers and shifting the different parts of our life so that we can really make the external a reflection of the internal. And when your internal is struggling, your external is going to be a reflection of that. Right. But you can start with the internal and start shifting that. And what I really loved about what you said before the call was, it's reverse engineering. It's really this counterintuitive approach that if you want to thrive and you want outer life to reflect you thriving, you have to be thriving inside. Exactly. Yeah. And so double down on that. Prioritize that. Learn about that. How do I thrive on the inside? What does that mean? You know, on a level, what does it feel like in my heart when I'm thriving? What does it feel like to thrive in spirit? What does it feel like to thrive on a, on a mindset level? Mm -hmm. And prioritize that. Yeah. What does that look like for you? I'm just curious because I love your website where it says like my mission on this planet is to create heaven on earth. And so what would be like the thriving in you and the heaven on earth that would just light you up to see in this lifetime? Yeah. I feel like I'm really going for the, the gold here. <laughs> like to see us living in unity and mm -hmm. transparency of heart and spirit. And to realize that we're connected to each other and connected to all of life and to operate more from a place of, of unity, you know, and, and to then be able to thrive in the giving of our natural genius, our natural gifts and talents, but as a harmonious family, mm -hmm. you know, that feels heavenly to me. It feels heavenly to me or another picture of heaven on earth is to be able to fully live this life and anything that lights up our heart to be able to that to be able to live that and to be in full service and to simultaneously not be bound by this world, not be attached, negatively attached to, mm -hmm. to things. And so it's kind of like the best of both worlds. It's like when you realize that what you want is inside, like on the, on the core level, mm -hmm. you know, and to be able to feel fulfilled within ourselves, it's like once you really, really get that, then the living fully of life and living an extraordinary life and doing all the things is so much more rich, you know, and, and then ultimately being able to be of highest service to me is that's heavenly as well. Mm -hmm. I think that's by design. Our gifts mm -hmm. were given to us, but they're not for us. They're to be given away. And that feels heavenly to me. And so just knowing, I feel like for me, it was years ago when I was like, God willing, if I can help it, which I can, and breath to breath, I will not get to the end of my life with my music still in me. Anything really essential, not shared or held. You know, I'm sure I'm, I'll never share everything, but, you know, and, and I feel like one of my greatest accomplishments thus far is that I can genuinely say right now I could die in peace, not because I've done everything, I'm just getting started, but I don't have any significant unforgiveness in my heart, unsaid, unspoken thing I've had. 
I've shown up fully in life. And it's like, I feel like everyone's going to be reflecting on that at their death anyway. Yes. So like, why not Do start it? reflecting on it now 100%. and like, and actually live in the truth, which is we actually don't know if we're going to be here tomorrow. Right. That's the truth. Yeah. That's not a philosophy. We don't I actually have know. no idea. You know? And yeah. so I've built that way of living over time into mm. a habit, you know? And right now I feel like that's also the opportunity that we have. It's like, how would we love one another? How would we love ourselves? How would we treat each other? You yeah. know, if we know we have a limited time and unfortunately that's a real prospect now. Yeah. Like we're, we're like on the brink of extinction in, in, in some ways. So some it's not, ways, yeah. it's not, you know? Yeah. And, and I love what you said about the heaven on earth and just being uniquely different, but then all being operating from the state of love, operating from the harmonious harmony. Yeah, yeah. Ability to be connected and recognize that we truly are all one, but that doesn't mean everyone has to be the same. Like I don't personally want to live in a world of robots. Like I right. would love <laughs> us to have differences and to be expressive differently and to have different aspects of ourselves and to all play yeah. in this creative genius that we are. It's a unified diversity. The unity is in the heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's and and then you know as we have the individuality and the uniqueness of our expression, yeah. we're able to be in this harmony with one mm -hmm. another. And to me, that's thriving. It's the realization of the deeper truth, which is abundance. Nothing's actually missing. Right. We don't need to take from anybody. Like if we're just truly resting in abundance and feeling safe within our own hearts and feeling safe with each other, then the revelation is that oh wow, just like nature, it's like everything's here every there's more than enough for everything and for everybody 100%. and so yeah we're working our way there but we could also begin with the end in mind right. and like like what would it be like to realize that deeper internally now mm -hmm. and act from that now more and more i love that I want people to be able to find you because I know you're expressing from your heart. You're doing, you're just starting rap, right? And art and uh, yeah. like all these different <laughs> expressions of love. And it's fun to just see all these different parts of you kind of coming into light. And mm. I love witnessing other coaches kind of step into these different levels of play because it inspires me to be more playful and creative with my different geniuses. And so where can people find you, learn more, sign up for, I know you have so many offerings online. I saw that. I was like, wow, this is so incredible. There's so many resources. Yeah. So Instagram, I'm at Orrin Harris, O-R-E-N-H-A-R-R-I-S, at Orrin Harris on Instagram. And I post on their daily, you know, transformational content. I post on my timeline. I post on my stories. I post on my IGTV and then on Facebook. I'm Orrin Harris on Facebook, and I, I do a fair amount. I've done a ton of Facebook Live, so I have a lot of free content there that people can dive into. And then my website is OrrinHarris.com. Yeah, those are the three main places to find me. And you know, as far as my coaching goes, I can only work with so many people at a time, mm -hmm. but I do have some space open, and I love to work with pure-hearted, driven people who are here make a difference yeah like that's kind of like the archetype of people that i work with and then you know i'm also available and inspired for white leaders this is something that just kind of came into my mm -hmm. world and even though things are dying down a little bit in terms of it's still a big thing it's here. it's a big thing yeah i am inspired to empower people in the way i described with my friend earlier in terms of leadership and being able to make a big difference and so i'm 
available and inspired to be for transformational leadership specific to what's going on in the world right now with all the race Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. You know, and yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm really, when you were talking the other day about potentially holding, you know, some events around that or some day events or virtual events or offering that support, it just, I had deep gratitude and I'm Mm. so excited to be a part of that. And Mm. Awesome. Learn and keep unlearning and, you know, being witness to the ways I need to shift as well. And I just thank you for holding space. And even if people aren't in conversation with you, I'm sure even just listening to this, they're going to feel that love and that container, which I believe even just being witness to it will allow people to say, okay, like what parts of me deeply need to shift and feeling at the same time the empowerment to take the steps. I think that's like the two pieces. It's like feeling it and being with it and then being like, okay, now I'm going to take responsibility for it. Yeah. It's like the masculine and the feminine in a way or the energy of like water and fire and seeing the harmony of them. You know, it's the compassion and unconditional love and acceptance is also what allows you to be in full responsibility, accountability, Mm -hmm. and, you know, not fooling yourself either. But I think if you are just on that train and like, this is what to do, but you don't have the compassion, then you don't get very far, you know? And I feel like if you're like in compassion and love, but then, you know, overlooking what's being called forth Mm -hmm. in terms of your action and your decision, then that's off. But really what I provide in my space and what I encourage people is to be strong in both of those and to know what's truly needed for yourself or for another individual or for us collectively in any one moment, what element is needed? Is it the fire, the water, Mm. the earth, the air, you know, just and not looking at our world or ourselves in a more cookie cutter faction or one, you know, this is just my go-to and just really develop our whole selves more. We can be unconditional with our love, but conditional with our time and our focus and where we're putting our energy to be most effective. Yeah. And sometimes in the witness, like when I witness myself in my greatest pain, that's when I get inspired. That's when I actually yeah. think of things that need to shift and I create the ideas. And I know for my husband, who's a writer who does quite a bit of work on brands, it's sometimes in the frustration, the pain, the that mindset that you're like, okay, well, what's the solution to this and the inspiration that will pull the momentum forward. And so totally, thank you so much for being here. And so my thankful. Pleasure. Yeah, you're so very welcome. Thank you for having me. Wow, what a powerful conversation with Oren. Thank you for being here. Thank you for staying to the end. And I hope that you had an incredible experience listening to this conversation that was powerful, inspiring, and actionable. I know that this topic and this conversation might have made you a bit uncomfortable. It's often triggering to hear and consider these different mindset shifts where we have to step into our happiest, healthiest selves, where we have to step into the radical responsibility and taking ownership of our beliefs and our stories and our projections and all of the ways that we've learned to live. And so take some time right now to feel present with whatever is showing up for you. And instead of distracting, repressing, or avoiding, come to dive deeper into your awareness and recognize the healing opportunity of whatever is showing up for you and recognize the beauty and the light and the joy and the happiness that can exist on the other side of it. When you allow yourself to fully feel the discomfort in your body, you're going to realize and recognize that it actually can't last that long, that you actually can move through it and move into a higher state of being. And so when I started facing my triggers and uncomfortable feelings head on, 
actually freed myself of so much pain, discomfort, and fear. And as Oren shared, these beliefs are often counterintuitive, but being in the discomfort is actually a beautiful opportunity for transformation. And as I've worked to confront my own patterns, unhealthy stories, and unconscious programming over the last few months, years, decade, I've recognized deeply that the change has to start with me. And so I'm committed to making the time to really do this inner work. And I can also be a voice that by doing it, your life can be completely transformed. And so as Oren shared, the next time you get stuck, ask yourself, who will I be and what will I become if I let this thought, feeling, emotion, story, wounding pattern, belief, behavior, habit go? Who will I become if I let this go? And then as he described further, who will I be if I don't let this go? What's the consequence, the repercussion of not letting this belief, behavior, story, habit go? And as I mentioned before, trust that you can release resistance to this and trust that often seeing the repercussions, seeing the consequence of staying where you are, you're able and motivated to move through it. Trust that the changes that you're stepping into can be empowering, joyful, exciting. And just, I ask that you're open this week to what happens when you accept that life and the world as you know it has to change to provide space for the life and the world that you want. And it all starts with us. It starts from us stepping in to connect on a compassionate level to one another and freeing ourselves from our unconscious ways of being. If you enjoyed this conversation today, I urge you to listen to my podcast with Dr. Aaron Haskell as we approach a similar topic about subconscious reprogramming from a different angle. Also, please drop me a message on Instagram if you've been listening to these podcasts. Let me know what's been resonating. What do you want to hear more of? How can I support you in becoming happier and healthier? It is my absolute honor and privilege to be here with you today. And it would mean the world to me to connect with you on the gram at Sarah Ann Stewart. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love, a massive virtual hug. And I trust that this week will be beautiful and epic and inspiring and creative and filled with so much love and joy. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.